Hi, Rodney Jane here from Bob Jane T-Marts. Specialists in tyres and wheels for over 50 years. We stock what tradies need. Tyres, wheels or batteries, we've got you covered. Steel or alloy wheels, 15 inch plus. Big brands such as Monster, R08, CSA, Fuel, PDW and Dynamic. A massive range. Tyres, we love tyres. All-terrain, mud-terrain, 4x4 and SUV tyres. We stock all the top brands such as Bridgestone, BF Goodrich, Falcon, Goodyear, Michelin and Yokohama. Make your 4x4 ute or van look awesome. Cracking deals at Bob Jane T-Marts. We won't be beaten on price. We'll look after you. Test season apply. been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag. This is a suspended uh, race. This is the Parked Up Podcast. We are powered by Race Fuels here and my name is Grant Rowley and for this episode there's a couple of really cool things. I've got Jason Bargwiner and Ben Bargwiner on the line. Soon, as soon as we're finished having a little yak we're going to throw to Mark Fogarty from Parked Up Plus. He had a, a long extended chat with Tony Cochran, uh, former supercars head honcho, the father of V8 supercars. Uh, and he's got a long half hour chat that's going to come uh, after that. You got a little sneak preview in Parked Up Plus on Monday. The full chat is coming up. In the meantime, I've got Jason and Ben Barguana. Boys, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, mate. No, that's great to be here. Great to be here. There we go. Thank you. Hey, Jason, you spent uh, a lot of time with Tony Cochran as, uh, as, as in the in those formative years of V8 supercars. He played an absolute crucial role in breathing big air into the top level of Australian motorsport. Oh, look, absolutely. And when you mentioned there that that's coming on after us, I was uh, pretty keen to hang around and have a listen to that. I mean, TC would have some big opinions, I have no doubt, on uh, what he sees today and what was and, and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, he's obviously was uh, you know, very prominent in, in that area or that golden era of, of what my uh, career was in that, that supercar era. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it's a different place these days and I'm sure TC will be uh, not shy in sharing his opinion. <laughs> oh, very good. No, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a great chat and everyone should uh, certainly hang around. But I brought you guys on because I get to deal with you guys in – uh, my role with the Australian Racing Group and the Speed Series and through TCR Australia. Ben, of course, competes in uh, the Burson Auto Parts Peugeot in TCR. Jason, you were racing for the past couple of years in that as well, but you've uh, just momentarily hung up the helmet to uh, focus on, on what Ben's doing. And uh, Ben is doing a lot as well, mate. You've got TCR, you're doing a fair bit of production car stuff. You've also done some S5000 as well. You're, uh, you're certainly getting a taste for a whole range of different racing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been pretty uh, busy the last few years, especially when we started this TCR program. But um, and, and big thanks to GRM. They've, they've helped me experience a lot of these opportunities with the, the 5000 and the Grand Prix and things like that. But um, yeah, just, just putting my feet into a few different cars. It's, it's been really awesome, but that's also involved a lot of family and, and dad's been with me the whole time. So it's been really cool. Yep. Uh, look, and, and family is important as well. So uh, before we get into some of this, uh, these fancy modern race cars, one of the reasons why 
I thought about bringing you guys onto the, uh, the Parked Up pod was Jason a few weeks ago had asked to put together a, a little photo video compilation, which, um, which he wanted to use in a corporate setting just to sort of scene set the, uh, the Bhagwana family racing heritage. And I, I knew that your family, uh, that your dad, Jason, had raced in I almost called you bugs there, but I've got two bugs on the line, so it's very <laughs> difficult to uh, to call anyone bugs. The older one and the younger one, yeah. <laughs> so, so Jace, you um, you gave me a whole bunch of photos, and I dug out some photos that I could uh, that I had, and photos from online and other bits and pieces. And it really was the the Bhagwana starting their racing career were really grassroots. It wasn't at the very top level. It was a lot of club stuff, a little bit of state stuff, but the the one thing that stood out was uh those Tiranas, I think, were like just absolutely in they were immaculately prepared and they all looked the same. The Bhagwana and Sons colors and and branding, it was a uh they did it at that grassroots level, but they did it the right way too. Yeah, that's right. And look at it all started really back um with my grandfather who opened the mechanical workshop back in Como in uh in new south wales there so my dad and my uncle both twins did their apprenticeship they worked uh, as young you know mechanics back in the day um in in the grandfather of the family business and that, that family business is still stands today and that's uh, what scott now operates as uh sons in como but obviously as the the two twins got involved in cars and, and decided to buy some better cams and extractors and bigger wheels and things they stuck on their FJs. They, uh, they took them to the racetrack and, and started to have some fun together. And then, you know, and, and obviously that competitive edge, that competitive spirit that we all share started to, uh, to really shine late in the, in the, in the sixties. And then they decided to, all right, we can't keep doing this in our road cars. We're going to have to do this in race cars. So I think they began by uh, building some little Anglias and, doing the New South Wales Hill Climb Championship. And it was more than just a bit of a club stuff. They started to travel around and then they got a taste for a bit more and wanted to go faster. And the old man built an escort. And I think uh, Alf built a Tirana. And, and yeah, they, uh, they they did a lot more of the hill climbing, Australian Hill Climb Championships. Ended up with a with a whole bunch of Tiranas that they started the circuit racing with. And, and back in those days, I mean, we still have it these days, a six-hour type relay race. Um, it's, it's, I think it's on at Phillip Island this year. The six-hour relay race at Amaru was was in the club world of motorsport. That was like their big Bathurst. It was the big event for the year. Yep. They had uh, a pretty professional-looking show for back in the early 80s. You know, all these Tiranas that had the same paint scheme, same colours. We had shirts and uniforms and bits mm-hmm. and pieces. And, and, and really, that's the environment that I grew up in. I grew up in uh, at Amaru at, at Silverdale Hill Climb and, circuits that uh, that don't even exist anymore um you know traveling around the state from hill climb to hill climb as a kid with a whole bunch of other kids um you know scott was one of those kids um and and really got a taste for what the sport was about and, and to stand there and watch your dad race around the, the circuit at Oran park and then you know in between races you'd be sliding down in the mud on the hills and things like that on bits of cardboard um we, we grew up at these tracks and it was when I watched that and could see that club level was fun, but that was really my motivation to want to do it, you know, professionally. The the old man, they always to sit around and watch it on TV and go, oh, I'd be as good as Peter Brock and all these sorts of things. And I think, you know what, that's what I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna be focused and I wanna 
really put everything into my career and see if we can actually turn it into something where I can make a living out of it. And, you know, that's where it means that journey started in the family and, and has continued today. Yeah, very cool. And uh, you obviously took it to the absolute highest of levels, winning the uh, greatest race that we have uh, in the country. Um, of course, you did one of your first Bathursts with uh, your with your cousin, Scott, who is still at the track these days with his son, Jude. I've got this right, haven't I? Yeah, correct. Yep. That's right. So the, the Bhagwana family way of going racing just hasn't really changed as the generations have come through. Of course, yourself and Ben do all of Ben's racing now. Um, you're never too far away, keeping him in line. Got a big stick, just uh, beat, <laughs> yep. beat, beat him up. Um, but Scott and Jude do exactly the same. He's currently in Formula Ford, and uh, of course, Ben and Jude have been racing in the uh, in the six hour for the past couple of years as well. Um, ben, maybe for yourself. Um, you, you would have seen some of those family photos and, and seen that journey and heard stories from your dad and your uncle about how that goes racing. Was this, a, is it, does it just feel natural that, you know, you're just fitting into the way the Bhagwanas go about their business? Yeah. It seems like um, if you have the last name Bhagwani, you sort of have to be in a race car at some point in your life. So mm -hmm. it was pretty natural for me to get into a race car, but yeah, like, as you've just said, um, with the six hour last two years, it's been, it's been an entire family event. We've had, we've had every bargwiner under the sun all at the racetrack all working towards the same result, but, um, it's just special. And it, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing to have that many members of your family, all, all so passionate about this motorsport thing we love. Um, and yeah, to, to race with my cousin, to have dad and Scott on the, on the headsets, have the have the two old blokes running the fuel and the and the fire extinguisher like it, it's just really cool you not many people get to experience that um and I, I think in years to come we'll we'll look back on this and go oh this is this was a really special time in our lives because it doesn't it doesn't happen all that often mm. no no very cool and look of course you two guys got to compete at a top level touring car category together in in separate cars of course through the tcr australia series uh you both drove the burson auto parts entries uh that must have been pretty cool to do it jason probably stressful maybe from your point of view not only having a little to look bit after i mean uh, yeah the, the thing about it is still agreeing i mean you know the family in motorsport a lot, a lot of families get involved in it it's not often that people pop up that don't have family members in it so it is pretty natural it is something that you know, you pass through and to, to, to the kids and the generations. And then, you know, for me, obviously having a, a fantastic career, great opportunities, um, you know, I never really suggested to Ben that it's what he has to do. But, you know, when we uh, had some motorbikes and things around the property and we had, you know, the opportunity to stick him in a go-kart, all of a sudden, um, you know, we, he, he found the passion for it as well. So for, for me then to watch Ben grow from being a 10-year-old in a go-kart um, you know, as he drive past the, the pits there, I think he was waving more to us, mum and I standing on the side that he was actually worried about trying to get a result to, to winning races, to fighting for championships, to, you know, getting to the point we, a similar path, I guess, now that what Scott's doing with Jude, we went to Excels and then the, uh, the Formula Ford and then, you know, COVID hit. So it created this opportunity where we, you know, we could, we could adjust, we could pivot as the young and say these days, we could pivot to, putting us into two TCR cars and competing together. And 
let me tell you, when you line up on the grid, and we sent, we, we managed to find a way, didn't we, Ben, to, to be quite near each other quite often. Um, yeah. yeah. Phillip Island <laughs> racing down the front straight, 250 k's an hour in a, in a TCR car in the pouring rain side by side with the sun. I mean, it's it's pretty surreal. It's pretty exciting, and it's uh, it's even better when you beat him. So <laughs> it um, it was yeah something that's pretty amazing, pretty special, and and for me now to sort of hang the helmet up a little bit and, uh, and still be part of that, still see his journey unfold. It's uh, pretty fantastic. Okay, awesome. You said hang the helmet up a little bit, so that leaves me. That leads me into the obvious journalistic question. Uh, how long does that helmet stay hung up for? Well, well, I still have a bit of a play in my... I've got a Hyundai XL um, that Ben and I built during COVID. We built one each. So we've got a couple of Hyundais there. We go and have a bit of skid around with. I've got a, a, an historic um, Rolt RT30 Formula 2 car in the shed that I'm in the process of restoring. So, yes, you will see me pull a helmet on occasionally here and there. Awesome. Um, will it be fighting for the TCR Championship? Uh, probably unlikely at this stage. I think that um, we're focused on Ben's career and where that where that goes and where it, uh, what opportunities it creates, either here or abroad. Um, but of course, uh, when it comes to fighting for championships and things, yeah, I don't I don't really see myself doing that at the moment. But when it comes to rolling out an historic meeting or having some fun, I'll, uh, I'm more than happy to have a go. Let me ask about that Rolt in in a tick. But uh, Ben, while we're on the TCR train of thought here 10th in the 2022 series a bunch of good results uh not quite a race win yet but you have got a pole position and really with the way that this uh, the points are and the mixed results that we've seen and uh so many uh so many variables being thrown in there do you, do you feel like you're in with a show do you feel like you're uh, in contention uh week in week out in TCR Oh, absolutely. And this is credit to the team. They've worked so hard, um, especially last year and moving into this year to make these Peugeots a fast car. Um, but like this series, this year has just been crazy. It's so it's so close. You look at the points and there's seriously nothing in it. Um, and an example of that is we went into SMP, which was the last round we just did, and I was fourth in the championship. And I had a few bad results and now I'm 10th. So I didn't. I didn't even DNF, and I'm. I moved down to tenth. So um, the competition's just really close this year, and everyone's everyone's learning these cars more and more. So the speed's just getting more and faster and faster. So look, it can go anyway. And it, as we've seen, a DNF kills you in this championship. So um, there's still three rounds to play, and really, it's anyone's game. You, you have no idea. Um, so absolutely, I think I'm in with a shot, and I think the team will do a good job to give me the car and I just have to go do the job. So I'm, I'm confident that we can do that. Yeah. Cool, mate. Uh, there's four Peugeots in this year's title and you've got some incredibly good other Peugeots, all which operate under the, in, in the GRM stable, of course, there's uh, Jordan Cox, Aaron Cameron and Dylan O'Keefe. Dylan's second in the title. Again, the points are really close. Um, how closely do you four guys all work together with, with data and all of the stuff that that happens off track as you're trying to improve and uh, and take them all to the very top. Oh, we work really close. I mean, we're all mates off the track, so we work well with each other. But um, yeah, we're all aiming for a common goal here, and that's to make these Peugeots bloody fast. And with Marcus Ambrose in there as well, um, he's really leading the charge on it. But you know, and the engineers and stuff, we we all work together, and we want to 
we want to make these Peugeots the best they can be. So we're not trying to fight each other or we're not trying, we're not trying to run our own separate teams inside the same team or anything like that. But um, yeah, we're, we're all helping each other to achieve the same goal. And, and that's and that's all I was going to add. That Marcus has done a, an amazing job as as just bringing a bit of that guiding light. I mean, obviously with Gary and um, there as well. My experience, we're able to help just contain the the energy and ensure that these guys are all working together and they're doing an amazing job. At the end of the day, if we can get four Peugeots, one, two, three, four on the uh, grid, and one, two, three, four on the results, then they can find it out who's going to be in that that order. But the, the goal is to make these guys work together, learn from that. And I've, you know, over the years, driven for lots of different race teams, had lots of experiences, both here and overseas. And um, the, the unity in that team is very strong at the moment. And that's one of the reasons why you have the success. I've worked in teams that are successful and teams that aren't. And the fact that everyone's pulling in the same direction and, and working towards a common goal um, leads itself to success. And it's no secret these Peugeots are at the front. The driver's doing a great job and a bit of consistency in the championship. Um, we'll, we'll get the result done. Of course, the TCR Australia series is uh, the well, TCR cars are uh, a global formula of touring car racing. Ben, do you do you look at those opportunities? Uh, the fact that you could get basically go and take the car that you've got, or drive the, uh, the exact same car uh, overseas in one of the thirty other TCR series or championships around the world. Is that kind of something that you've thought about something that's uh, that's in the back of your head that you know there are international opportunities that you can go while you're still young and still fresh remember when we were young and fresh jason it was <laughs> it was only just a couple of years ago 20 minutes ago yeah but uh, ben you've uh, i don't know did, is that something that that might excite you a hundred percent i mean a few years ago um dylan o'keefe went over there to the wtcr and racing zanvoort um and I, I watched that weekend from start to finish and it just, it, it lit a fire inside of me. Like I just, I want to go race against the best of the best in these cars. And, you know, every time there's a TCI Europe or a WTCI around, dad and I are sitting there watching it. We're talking about the drivers and who's where and what cars where, and we're always looking at the results and oh, it, would, it would just be unreal to go race against some of the best drivers that the world has to offer and really see where I stand and, yeah, just have a red hot crack. So absolutely, that would I would love to do that. I'd give my life to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, we've we've also been working on a bit of a Ben's plan and a, and a bigger picture look at what we do. And you know, supercars is a very important part of motorsport in this country. Make no doubt about it. It's the it's the top of the pile. Um, but I think the TCR platform does create some opportunities. But racing at a world level. I mean, that would be ultimately the best goal you could achieve. You could go and race for the World Touring Car Championship. And we've seen it over the years, World Cups and things. And I mean, even back to when Paul Radisic won it. I mean, it's the sort of thing for me that was pretty uh, pretty impressive. This is a platform that, that may create that opportunity for Ben. It's something that we've got on our radar to see if we can make it happen. And of course, there's always that, um, you know, that, that back of the mind feeling that at some stage the WTCR guys may actually come and play here at Bathurst. So that's something that uh, if they did, um, you could step up and, and play at the top level. So that is one of the, the major factors that draw us towards TCR. Yeah, very cool. Well, Ben, you have shown that you are pretty fast around Mount Panorama in these cars. So <laughs> if some of those guys want to come out here and play, you've, you're, in a, uh, you're in a pretty I'm pretty happy spot. with that. Yeah, very good. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. So uh, the you did a couple of S5000 races as well, Ben, which were quite cool. And after I talk about these open wheel cars, I'm definitely going to ask about this Rolt. I want to know a little bit more about that. <laughs> but uh, Ben, you've done you've done two of those. Would you like to do more? They've both been uh, one-off events, but uh, what were your thoughts on the category and uh, could we see you back? Oh, look, I'd, I'd absolutely love to come back. Um, yeah, as I said, I've had two rounds in, in the S5000 and they've, they've been amazing. I mean, those cars are just unreal. They're massive V8-powered open wheelers. Like, it, it really doesn't get much better than that. But, um, yeah, like, the first round was just the scariest thing I've ever done. And then the Grand Prix was one of the coolest experiences I've ever been able to do. So, um, yeah, I'd love to be back. I, I, don't, I don't know um, if that opportunity will um, happen or – but at the same time, um, I don't want to compromise my TCR program. I'm really focused on that at the moment and I want to make sure I get that right. So yeah, it is a good experience, especially uh, for learning to be a better driver. Um, those cars, you, you definitely have to be switched on and you learn, you learn a lot out of driving one of them. So, but it, yeah, as I said, I don't want to compromise what's going on with TCR and everything like that. But yeah, if the opportunity arises, then absolutely I'll jump in and have a steer. Um, how frustrated have you been that we haven't had any TCR racing for what feels like um, a, a COVID period stuck in the middle of this season? I know. I've, I've been it's on terrible. my sim every night, but it's not quite the same. <laughs> yeah, we want to go racing. Let's go racing. Yeah, well, yeah. it's not too far away. Queensland Raceways coming up really soon. But before we go, go into these touring cars, I'm going to ask about the Rolt. But before we do that, just one very quick message from our sponsors. Hi, Rodney Jane here from Bob Jane T-Marts. Specialists in tyres and wheels for over 50 years. We stock what tradies need, tyres, wheels or batteries. We've got you covered. Steel or alloy wheels, 15 inch plus. Big brands such as Monster, RO8, CSA, Fuel, PDW and Dynamic. A massive range. Tyres, we love tyres. All-terrain, mud-terrain, 4x4 and SUV tyres. We stock all the top brands such as Bridgestone, BF Goodrich, Falcon, Goodyear, Michelin and Yokohama. Make your 4x4 ute or van look awesome. Cracking deals at Bob Jane T-Marts. We won't be beaten on price. We'll look after you. Test and season apply. You're listening to the Parked Up podcast. I've got Jason Barguana. I've got Ben Barguana. Coming up really soon is Mark Fogarty, who grills Tony Cochran. Or actually, I don't know if Tony Cochran can get grilled. I'm pretty sure he would have. If he gets asked a hard question, he's going to come back with a hard response. Um, Jason, you were talking about a route that you are putting back together. What's its history? What's your plans for it? Is there a historic racing program in the future? Well, when, yeah, there is a bit, but when you say program, I mean, it was a, a thing I bought 18 months ago with a plan that it was going to be 12 months to be on the track. So um, things tend to get in the way. Business gets in the way. We've got a couple of XLs there. At least Ben and I are going to go and play with those in the next few weeks to see if we can uh, get us, get, get Ben ready for the next uh, TCR round. But, yes, there is a, a Rolt RT30. So I remember as a kid, uh, one of the very first Australian Grand Prix I went to, um, was when David Brabham raced the RT30 and won the Gold Star down there. I watched that race from the sidelines. He came from the back of the grid after having a drama and qualifying and won the race and uh, always fell in love with that type of car, aluminium tub, Formula 2, the Golf engine, and I managed to find one under a house. So the car that we, we dug out 
from this bloke's house is the Rowan Onslow car that won the Australian Gold Star. So it's got some history. It was an ex-Barry Ward car. Um, it's It's got plenty of dust on it. It's got plenty of bolts and things that need changing, I can assure you, and it's got some work to do. But I think if we uh, put a plan together, we should have it back out the track and aim for something like the big Phillip Island historic meeting. Um, I want to restore it back to the Gold Star winning uh, winning look, I guess, and, and, and standard. With a bit of help from Michael Borland, who uh, obviously is one of the uh, at the country's best single-seater guys in terms of preparation and understanding those cars. He worked on that car back in the day. So, yeah, he's uh, he's Roman Onzo drove in that, that championship, the 89 championship. He drove two cars. He drove a uh, My Rolf and he drove a, a Cheetah that, that Michael Borland owned. So he won the championship that year, won the Gold Star. So Michael reckons he's got the Gold Star car, I and I've got the Gold Star car. So <laughs> we've uh, we've both managed to get the, the 89 Gold Star car. And, uh, yeah, we're going to try and he's, – he's got the Cheetah. I've got the Rolf, so we're going to restore him up and, uh, and go play. Awesome. Very good. Hey, Ben, I'm you're just... pretty you're pretty handy with the with the tools as well. You should get onto this thing in your in your spare time. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe we're we're playing Tetris in the shed. <laughs> he at looks the moment. Like, he looks like an he reckons it's an old shoebox, don't you? Oh well, it's it's pretty much nothing at the moment. It's just a pile of bolts and nuts. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Ben gets in the shed. We work on the race cars a bit, but yeah, I reckon he can. Uh, he'll want to have a go of it when it's ready. I'm sure. I'm oh, always yeah. guys. I've been, you know, I've always loved single seaters. Ben's done his Formula Ford race, and now he's done his five thousand stuff. So. Formula Holden, and I raced in uh, Magnicore, raced Donington back in the day, and a bit of Vauxhall Lotus. So, single seaters is where it's at. We love them, and uh, yeah, it's good to have one in the shed. Oh, very good. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to see that. And what an awesome event as well. The the uh, that that Phillip Island Classic. There's like don't they know the 450 hmm. entrance or something. Oh, I think they start yeah, practice massive. on the Wednesday. It's just crazy. But yeah, look, I I think it's a bit different when you roll out and enjoy that sort of experience because it is about the car. It's about the celebration of those cars, not necessarily the racing. So, um, uh, you know, I still enjoy the racing. In fact, I have a, a lot of fun when we race the Excels. Ben and I are going to line up at Eastern Creek in a couple of weeks in the same race together. So, um, yeah, we, we'll, we'll tow them up there together. We'll race together and we'll see how that one goes. But uh, I still enjoy the competition of having a bit of a crack. But uh, these historic cars, yeah, I mean, there's some really nice cars around them. be fun to get it out there. Yeah, very cool. So uh, tell me, so you've got two XLs still in the in the shed there, and you're both racing them. What what event have you got coming up? And who's faster? Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> yeah. So hang on, is this a you guys? Did did I do I recall you guys doing a race together in something? Uh, yeah, or, so. actually, yeah. We tried to. We right. tried to, yeah. So we've, we 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 built a couple of XLs during that COVID period, and um, we painted them up in the same orange colour as the uh, the old fellows Tiranas back in the day. So we've got them with a bit of a retro look. And it was uh, was a couple of months ago we actually lined up Ben and Harry in one of the XLs, and Jude and Alf in the other XL in a Sydney Enduro. They had a one hour event. The grandfathers and the, and the grandsons got to race together. But, uh, Scott and I were on the uh, on the cans in pit lane, so it was it was a bit of fun. It was uh, it was good to see that the old fellas had a go, and then they they headed over the young blokes. The result didn't matter. It, um, I mean, that means we didn't win, by the way. But the result <laughs> didn't matter. It was just a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, it was great. But we we, we enjoy working on them in the shed. They're 
they're easy, they're cheap in, in terms of motor racing um, form. It's a great entry-level category and we can just go have a good bit of fun. And, um, you know, for Ben, I don't know, you enjoy working with Ben? Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. It's, uh, I, uh, that's where I started my car racing. So as I've learned more about them, I'm learning how to, how to work on them and I just enjoy it more and more. And Ben actually was hands-on with the build. So that was one of the ways what we did during COVID is to, he, he got an education out of the process of, you know, rubbing cars back and welding things up and, and bolting things in and out and, and putting it's a race the, car together. So It's quite satisfying to drive a race car that you spend a lot of time building it's a different feeling than just jumping in a, a race car. So that was a really cool experience. Can I have no doubt that it'll give you just a little bit more appreciation as you uh, weigh up whether you're going to break five or 10 meters deeper into a, <laughs> uh, into the next corner. Um, okay. So this, this uh, Sydney motorsport park race that you guys are taking two cars to two separate entries. Is it single driver? Correct. It's on. <laughs> don't worry there's 40 odd cars entered or something it's uh it's just a one-day meeting it's a club type event new south wales uh, round we picked that round because it's only a couple of weeks before the queensland tcr round so it gets ben back into the driver's seat gets his racing brain going i mean i'm always a big fan of racing anything that's why we've encouraged ben to drive formula fords uh 5000 tcr cars xls anything you can get your hands on or learn from um, and build a a repertoire i guess or it gives you that knowledge when it uh, when it counts so we'll go and race uh oh, i actually like racing better than testing in some ways i think it it helps keeping that racing brain sharp i mean everyone talks about shane Van, um, svg or saying van gibbsburg's uh, racing brain and and, uh, and that's where you learn it you learn it from uh, just using it all the time and, and thinking what you're doing Excellent. Yep. No, uh, absolutely no subject and way more fun as well. Like I, I'd, my modus, my actual like driving has been li limited to karting in my teens and early twenties. And we'd go out for test days and I'd like second session over, I'll go, okay, cool. So who else is here? And do you want to just line up and have a, have a little bit of a race? Because I was sick of testing tire pressures or exhaust things or, uh, you know, um, whatever different types of chains or you know whatever whatever we were doing uh, i didn't pay much attention to that dad did most of it <laughs> yeah. stopwatch on it and i gave the very rubbish feedback that i could um but uh i, I suppose look the uh the other thing that i think about when with karting was just a, a great family experience where whether it was just me and dad going or whether it was all the family coming down for for uh, you know barbecues and and just good, and good times and yeah you uh, I think both of you uh, very much appreciate what what you have with your the family that you have you guys always do it at the uh, at the very best level and the absolute fairest way possible too so yeah I mean look obviously for us to be to be part of the series to be involved in it um, you know to be able to do some racing as a family to do it as fun to do it as as you know work towards doing as a career as well i mean it's uh, you know it's a very it's a very infectious sport i guess you try and step away from it but it drags you back you <laughs> you think about i don't need to do this anymore but it doesn't take long for you to realize that it's what you love it's your passion and uh, and i was pretty lucky to make a living out of it and hopefully if ben gets his journey right and uh, and works hard enough that might create the same sort of opportunity uh okay ben we've got 
Uh, we have the next round of TCR at Queensland Raceway. It's in an, only in a couple of weeks' time. Almost ready to go. What's your uh, What's your thoughts? What's your feelings? First time racing a TCR car around QR as well. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I mean, the last round was a bit of a bummer at Sydney. We, we had heaps of issues with the car, and we just I didn't even really get to go racing that weekend. So, um, yeah, look, I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. Queensland Raceway. I've been there once in the XL, and it, I, I find it a really cool track. So it'd be cool to see what these TCR cars around there, especially the Peugeots. They're good at high speed corners. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. We we don't really have any idea what the car's going to be like, but um, I. I don't have any um, BOP on and I've, um, yeah, I'm in a good position to get a good result at QR. So we'll have to wait and see what it brings, but I think the racing and especially qualifying is going to be super close um, and it's going to be tense in it. Um, so yeah, I, I have faith that the team is going to give me a good car that weekend. So I just need to go do the job. Cool, mate. And uh, Jason, your your thoughts uh, ahead of uh, Q, uh, QR? The TCRs have only been there 2019. You weren't in the series uh, at that point, and um, it was the, it was so close that um, the guys at the front weren't. Um, I don't want to put. Uh, the, I'm hoping we're going to have an awesome round, but the um, the racing was actually pretty processional there which i thought queensland raceway shouldn't be like this for the tcr cars i don't know if uh now the competition's even closer i'm not sure what the racing is going to bring what do you think yeah look i think queensland raceway is always um very close whether it's a supercar days or it's it's going to be in tcr or it's xls or it's from the forward i mean it's a short track um six corners um all of which have got its own their own character and their own uh, their own unique setup requirements so it's always been a little bit technical if the cars um it's very hard to drag a lap time out of that place if your car's not working well so the key for us obviously is to get the cars working well um focus on that ben's raced there before and uh, i think from the last time there i remember russell Ingham was on the podium um and i think one of the imports in an audi smoked everyone i can't remember who it was it was driving i think so yeah and i think will brown ended up winning the race but i think um who knows? I mean, we'll just have to go there, wait and see. That the category has improved a lot uh, since 2019. I mean, the quality, the intensity, the I mean, even the racing's got better and better. When you saw, I mean, we saw a lot in the first year, a lot of accidents and things and cold tyres and bits and pieces. But you, you can see now that the level of the, the category is strong. You got the likes of Will Brown in there. The you know Chaz obviously last year. Fabian this year you've had some um, some pretty sharp operators and and the, the boys are, are certainly competitive so I expect it to be pretty tough I think the Peugeot should be good there Ben had a, a shocker and unfortunately there was no fault of his own at, at um, City Motorsport Park there with that that electrical problem we had the, the misfire that uh, put us out of two races basically so um, you know from a championship point of view it's about getting back on track and, and going for a race win and that would be the goal between now and the end of the year um, podiums are great. Race wins what the uh, what we really need, and and who knows where the championship will end up at the end. Exactly right. Three rounds to go. Importantly, it's still nine races as well. So, you know, we've only just ticked over the halfway mark of uh, of the series, but now we're up to uh, the exciting part uh, where we get to see who's actually going to come out on top. As we've all talked about. 
um, for uh, for the last few months, even before Sydney, that the race, the the series is just so close. One good one, one bad one, and you can uh, drop or pick up a bunch of spots. So, um, uh, Benny Bugs, we uh, we look forward to you uh, punching as hard as you can at Queensland Raceway. Uh, and uh, getting that Burson Auto Parts entry right up the very front. And Jason, we look forward to seeing you chewing your fingernails on the sideline. <laughs> Thanks, Robo. Thanks a lot, mate. I'm hanging around because I'm listening to the TC. <laughs> uh, perfect. All right. Thanks, boys. Thanks for coming on. As uh, as Jason just said there, this is Mark Fogarty and the full interview. You heard parts of it on Parked Up Plus on Monday. And here it is, Fogues with Coco. Tony Cochran, welcome to Parked Up. Tony, you've uh, been out of the motorsport spotlight coming up for a decade now, but looks like you're coming back with, well, knowing you, a bang with the World Supercross Championship. How's that shaping up? And also, why are you doing it at this stage in your career? Well, it's very, very reasonable of you to call my life a career, um, Bob. So I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, oh, look... To be perfectly fair, I really haven't been fully out of it for the 10 years since I sold out a V8 supercar um, because I have done a couple of things uh, with a really close friend of mine and a great buddy in Tavo Hellman in America. Of course, for those of you, uh, your listeners, Tavo was the guy who started the Circuit of the Americas and started the Formula One Grand Prix in Austin, Texas, and then... Uh, resurrected with SIA in Mexico, the um, Formula One in Mexico City, what, I guess, five years ago now. Um, so I've been doing some um, pieces with um, Tavo. Um, we've been mates for, I don't know, 20 years and, and um, still do quite a bit of um, pieces together. And, and of course, I also uh, took on a role as the chairman of uh, what was AusX Open, which was Ryan um, Sanderson and uh, Adam Bailey's company uh, running the exhibitions in the Supercross uh, space, um, really more as a mentor, to, to be truthful, than anything else, to uh, sort of guide and assist them as they uh, grew that business and um, uh, I was really impressed with uh, the the risk that they had taken on and the job that they had done building building that. And uh, I could see they needed a bit of a hand and they asked me. So I, I jumped on board about, gosh, I guess that's four, maybe it's even five years ago now, but certainly four years ago. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I, had my, I had my fingers in a couple of little pies along the way there. Um, and... Then, of course, working with um, um, Adam and Ryan, uh, we, we were consciously aware that the world rights um, to the FIM um, Supercross World Championship um, were going to come up towards the end of last year. Um, they'd been held by the incumbents in America, Feld Entertainment for, um, and previously to Feld, um, Live Nation for 20 odd years. And of course, being good Americans, they'd run a world championship in one country uh, all that time. And we knew the FIM were unhappy with that. We knew the FIM um, were very keen for them to properly expand it and, and to, for it to be a world championship, not just an American series. 
Um, so we probably about July of last year, we got very actively involved in, you know, seeking out whether there was a way that we could um, have a go at the rights. We, we were also aware that there were others who wanted to take on the rights. Anyway, we, um, we put together a, a very good strategy and we um, put together some very clever people. Um, and um, we um, bid for the rights when they came up. And then of course, right at the death knock, uh, uh, the shock was that Field handed the rights back. Field no longer wanted to participate in the World Championship. They wanted to purely run an American domestic series. Um, and um, so we were ultimately successful and uh, we didn't sign the contract, would you believe, until Christmas Eve. And um, then of course, um, uh, uh, a really part, big part of our story and a really successful part of our story was um, that Mubadala, one of the world's biggest sovereign wealth funds, um, biggest um, PE groups, uh, came on board as our financier and also our strategic partner. So um, that was a, a huge uh, plus and a huge upside for all of us. Um, and we put together a very, very strong international board. But because everything happened so late, um, we struck a, a, an arrangement with the FIM where we would only do a pilot series this year. We're only going to do three, yeah, probably three rounds between October and November of this year. Um, and we wouldn't impact on the American series this year at all, um, either supercross or motocross. Um, do a pilot series this year and then uh, roll out a, a full world championship from June of next year. So it's a long way to answer your question, but it was a difficult a difficult thing to answer quickly. Okay, so how big is it going to be when it kicks off in Cardiff in early October? And how big is it going to become when it kicks into a full season next year? Well, like everything, we're going to grow it. Um, it, it needs a lot of care and attention. Um, as I alluded to in my first uh, answer, the... Um, Regrettably, um, the World Championship has been run in one country for 22 years. Um, it's, you've got to go right back to the 90s to, um, to look at the last time they attempted to do anything on a global basis. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do to uh, build all of that out. Um, the world's changed enormously in those 30 years, of course. Um, there are a lot more young people um, connected to the sport now of Supercross. It has a massive global following. Um, uh, we've put a lot of time and energy into researching that and we've been surprised with the following that has got in some countries that we didn't actually initially think uh, were important countries to Supercross, but we're rapidly learning that um, there's a number of countries out there that um, are very keen to um, take it up over the next two to three years um, as a round of the World Championship. Um, but, you know, having said that, we've got a very, very clear business plan. We've got some very, very good, highly experienced people on board. We're growing the company rapidly. You know, we were, gosh, three months ago, we were uh, four or five people. Um, I think by the end of this month, we'll be 17 or 18 people. By the end of September, we'll be probably heading towards uh, uh, 20 to 25 people. Um, so it's growing very, very rapidly. Um, uh, 
we hope to establish an office internationally early next year, well, certainly in the first six months of next year, haven't quite zeroed in on the, the location yet. Clearly the head office is going to be based on the Gold Coast um, for a whole variety of reasons. Um, uh, we've got a great team assembled up here um, and we've got terrific support from um, uh, both government and, and uh, the Gold Coast City Council um, who are trying to make the Gold Coast a bit of an action sports um, sort of capital. So yeah, there's there's various things coming together, but um, you know, Cardiff, I think you'll find we'll have you know 50,000 people in um, what is a wonderful indoor stadium at Principality Stadium in, in Cardiff in Wales uh, for the British Supercross Grand Prix, and then um, we've got a couple more big dates uh, set to announce uh, soon for um, this year for the pilot series, as we're calling it, the three round pilot series before we uh, kick off the full championship next year in uh, early June. Um, and uh, next year will be more like 10 to 11 rounds globally and the following year will be more like uh, 12 to 14 rounds globally. So uh, a, a slow build in some respects, but also we have to take a lot of people with us. You know, we've got uh, new teams and uh, scattered all over the world. Uh, because we wanted it to be truly a world championship and we've always got riders um, from all parts of the world. So um, uh, a brand new horizon for um, uh, Supercross and one that I think is going to be pretty exciting. And uh, uh, we've got some, you know, unique capabilities in Supercross that uh, do make it a completely unique motorsport proposition. Will we see around eventually in Australia and, and where might that be? I won't speculate on where um, at this stage, Mark, but um, uh, yes, absolutely you will. Um, Australia is a very, very strong supercross market. You know, you've only got to look uh, prior to COVID, uh, the AusX Open was in Melbourne at Marvel uh, Arena. It's a huge stadium, indoor stadium, as you're well aware, in Melbourne. And uh, we'd sold uh, the best part of 35,000 tickets to that night, and that was just an exhibition event. So clearly, um, there's a massive demand for it in Australia. Australian audiences love it. They love how we do it because we present really a whole night of entertainment, you know, and I'll, I'll perhaps focus on that in my next answer. But um, yeah, you can you can rest assured Australia will definitely have a round of the world championship. Well, that'll be great. Yeah, so you're planning top riders, top teams, and as you alluded to there, plenty of spectacle. Um, you still didn't answer though why you're doing this at this stage in your well, me personally, varied career? Uh, me personally, you mean? Yes, you. <laughs> I, I don't know how to stop, Mark. You know, I, I um, the truth is I love it. I, I love the, um, the cut and thrust of it. I love the challenge of it. Um, I love the chase. And I really enjoy, you know, working with people. I really enjoy, you know, I'm at the stage of life now, unfortunately, where I'm a bit of a mentoring figure, you know. Um, I'm probably not as uh, robust and uh, uh, bulletproof as I once were. Um, and that uh, tends to happen to us all eventually, but I still love the cut and thrust. I still love the, uh, the push and the energy. And, um, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity. You know, we're the first ever Australian company to run either an FIA or an FIA World Championship. And I, I'm immensely proud of that. I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge, huge achievement by anybody's sets of standards. 
And um, you know, to put the international board together that we have and to have a fantastic partner like Lubadala on board with us, you know, who, you know, the, they own some massive worldwide um, or part owns massive worldwide um, sports properties, you know, the Manchester City, the big shareholders in UFC, the big shareholders in um, ING Endeavor. Uh, they've got, uh, they own the Formula One Grand Prix in um, Brazil and uh, the UAE. So that, you know, they're, they're big players and um, to uh, be taken up by them is a, a tremendous uh, achievement. And, and they've been extraordinary partners. I mean, um, they, these are people who um, really know how to run a business. Uh, they really uh, have great respect for the people they're working with um, and, and they're globally connected like nobody. So um, I guess all of those things, you know, intrigue me and I, and I, I keep on keeping on, you know, I, I don't, um, when I say I don't know how to stop, I, 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 it sounds corny, but I truly mean it. You know, I, I don't know how to stop. I want to keep doing stuff. And I, I, you know, fundamentally, as you know, because you observe me over a long period of time, at, at, at the core of my heart, I, I love motorsports. I, I, I love the crowds. I, I love the atmosphere. You know, I love the, the camaraderie of pit lane. This is probably the one thing I really miss out of the V8 supercar days. The camaraderie in pit lane was uh, tremendous. The cut and thrust and the, and the bullshit that went on up and down the pit lane was, you know, a, a terrific load of fun. Um, there, yes, there were lots of times when it was angst and, you know, probably hideous and some characters that uh, I'd rather not have dealt with. But, you know... Overall, it, it, it was a tremendous um, spirit and a tremendous amount of fun. And, you know, I, I, I do miss that. There's no question I do miss that side. So all of those things contributed into me throwing my hat in the ring and deciding I'd be president of SX Global, which is the company behind um, the FIM World Supercross. Well, indeed, those supercar days under your reign were, well, they were great days. They were interesting days. And... Now that you bring it up, this year is the 25th anniversary of V8 Supercars, as you started in 1997. And we're coming up to 10 years since you left Supercars. So let's do a bit of reflection. So Supercars. Oh, you're, oh I'm not sure on. reflection's a good thing. I'm not sure reflection's a good thing. Your greatest uh, achievement? Go Where does it rank? Oh, it was right up there, obviously. Um, you know, it was, um, it's really interesting at starting this now, um, 25 years on, um, how many of the problems that we've got are the same as the problems I had back then. You know, it's uh, many of the challenges and many of the dynamics are very much the same. Um, so, again, I'm sharing a lot of those uh, war stories, as it were, with uh, the management team because the, um, you know, I, I've, I've done those hard yards and I've had that experience. So um, I'm able to play a role in, in guiding in that um, same vein. Um, supercars was look, a tremendous part of my life. Um, you know, uh, I, I was uh, uh, richly rewarded on two fronts. Firstly, on the personal front, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, for most part, I enjoyed the experience. And as I said, I made a lot of great friends out of it and had a lot of fun. Um, and we took Australian motorsport to a level that had never been contemplated before. Uh, I think even our biggest critic would say 
that what we did with Supercar was um, quite extraordinary. Um, and then on, you know, on the on the kind of acknowledgement front, you know, uh, I got acknowledged by the FIA for my services, and I got acknowledged um, by the Australian government with uh, an AM uh, in the last twelve months. Um, and, and there's no question part of that AM was um, what I had achieved uh, uh, with V8 Supercar. I remember, you know, one of the great things I love out of running businesses is, is giving people real certainty about their, their jobs. And I remember really early in the pieces, I don't know why this story sticks with me, but I remember visiting Mark Larkin. He was a team owner and a fledging team owner. I think Mark would mind me saying that. Um, and struggling a little bit. And uh, when we got going, you know, uh, in the very early days, Mark uh, was questioning me about, you know, uh, Coco, um, do you really think we can turn this into a solid business so that I can be employing people and they can really, you know, they can do things like that normal people do, like take out mortgages and and uh, put their kids in schools and, and know they're not going to have to pull them out and move them in four months or six months or something. Um, it was as basic as that. And, you know, we, 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 I think when we started V8 Supercars, there was about 40 people or something of that number working full time in what was then the sport of Group A touring cars. And I think by the time I clocked out um, some uh, 16 and a half years later, roughly, I think we were... Well, we certainly well over two thousand people in the um, in the industry working full time um, with careers, and can I say much better careers than when we started out? So you know things like that really gave me my jollies. I mean, it might sound strange to some perhaps some of your listeners, but they were the things that sort of motivated me, and I, I thought that that's fantastic that you know we can play such a role. And um, and the other part that I really loved, you know, it was a success for me, it might have been for anybody else, is I, I love the fans. I love the fans' interaction, you know. Again, you know, I'm not making this shit up because you observe me often enough. I, I wouldn't, I'd stand in the paddock and listen to fans' complaints or compliments or whatever they wanted to talk about until they stopped wanting to talk about it um, because I, I valued that feedback. I really valued what fans thought of what we were doing and how we were doing it. And, uh, you know, um, uh, a lot of people had taught me, and I go right back to a, a, a saying that my dad used to use, which is very, very true, that it's no good serving up caviar to a hamburger audience. So I was very, very focused on what the fans wanted and thought uh, of our series and our, our racing and, uh, the like so uh, that fan interaction was really important to me maybe it didn't matter to anybody else and that's fine uh, but it mattered to me well your approach was certainly different to what came before and what's come afterwards and you never shied away from a, a fight and as you suggested you established what was touring car racing as a genuine national sport. And look, mate, I'm sure you've got plenty of stories to tell that would, you know, raise the hairs on the back of our, our necks. But the one thing I've always been at you for quite some time, and you've never given me an answer, and you may do it now, is how did you come up with the name V8 Supercars? Oh, well, that was, you know, it wasn't quite ground zero, but it was very close to it. So that was in, um, 
about mid 1996, I'm going to say. So I'd finished the white paper on what I thought the sport could become. Um, and I was really consciously aware of the name Group A Touring Cars was a terrible marketing name. In fact, I've long made a joke of the fact that it sounded more like a blood disorder than a name of a sport. Um, and uh, Gary Kraft and I were sitting in our Southport office and we were throwing around various names and concepts. And um, I look, I can't even remember exactly, but it was something along the lines of, I came up with the name Supercars and Gary said, well, why don't we just put the V8 in front of it? And it was as simple as that. And I recall one of the really funny stories of all of that period, well, funny for me, was we had a small board and um, we didn't have a lot of money. You know, everybody thinks we started with a pile of cash and way we went. That wasn't true at all. We had very little money. We ran that. We ran the V8 Supercar office for the first three years with two and a half staff. If you call me one, Gary two, and then, you know, we had a, um, some support staff initially um, before um, others came along and joined the party. And um, so I went off and spent something like, it was only like $3,000 on um, the first V8 Supercar logo and um, showed it to the board subsequently. And um, uh, they all thought, oh, that looks pretty good. And I said, look, I think this is going to be massive. I think it's going to be uh, a logo that will sell us a lot of merchandise. It's going to be the logo that's going to be our, our brand. It's going to be our banner. And um, uh, one of my partners at the time and, and sitting on the board was James Erskine. And James was infuriated that I spent so much money on the design. Um, that, you know, how could I how could I commit so much of our funding, limited funding to spending just on a, the design of a logo? Um, I've just been through a branding exercise with SX Global. I mean, he'd die if he knew today the money we've just spent on branding. We, you know, uh, um, Thea put the branding team together and uh, worked with a company in the UK called Pangea and others and... Uh, my God, three grand, I don't think, paid for the first meeting. Um, so it's funny how things move on. But, yeah, that's, it's, yeah, I think it's as simple as that. I don't think there's any great, wonderful story. And then, of course, I love Acrium. So that's how Vesco was invented, because it simply stood for the Australian V8 Supercar Company. Yeah. So we started out, our company name was Vesco. Also sounded strangely like a finance company. But anyway, <laughs> um, that investment, small as it seems now, obviously, Paid off. So, is it time to put V8 back into supercars, into the title? Should it become V8 supercars again? Was that a mistake? Ah, uh, look, Mark. There's wiser people around than me running it these days. So, um, I, I don't want to tell them what to do. I I will say this: I would have never taken it out. You see, uh, dropping it was madness because uh, the concept behind dropping it. Um, from a few lunatics was that we could then run any different power plants and we weren't relying on V8s because V8s were dying and you know fans um, weren't buying cars anymore with V8 engines and, and all of that crap. Um, look V8 supercars was aspirational at no stage did I or certainly the the smarties in the room that um, that I was talking with 
at no stage did we believe that our audience were all out there desperately wanting to buy a V8 car. V8 supercar is racing, is aspirational. And our audience, most of our fan base, love the sound. They love the atmosphere. They love, they love what it brought. They love the uh, sense of occasion that it brought. Um, they weren't... Um, they, were, they weren't particularly there because one day they hoped to own a V8 car and it was madness to, to make that leap of faith and to then get rid of it on the assumption that, you know, we've got to, you know, the world's changed and, you know, we've got to change with it. You know, one of the, one of the problems that we've got throughout the world today, in my humble opinion, is that you, you, you just can't dump your fan base that you've got and move to a new fan base because it's, you know, politically correct. I mean, it's like getting rid of grit girls. I mean, that's just all political bullshit. The, the truth of the matter at the end of the day, um, the grit girls were a very big and very important part of the show and people loved them. And here's something I can absolutely guarantee you, the grit girls loved it. You know, I, I never once saw a grit girl doing it under any fault. They loved it. They got well paid for it. They absolutely, you know, they fought tooth and nail to get um, a role in it. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was really well received by everybody. It was always respected. I, I never saw it being abused. You know, maybe it was, but I, I never got to see it in all the time that I was around. But, you know, if you just keep cutting off stuff because you want to be politically correct, then all you do is isolate your fan base. And you don't end up with as many fans as you once had. And I think that's one of V8 Supercar's problems today. Sorry, Supercar's problems today. That they, they don't have the fan base they used to have. I mean, they get excited about the TV ratings today. Gosh, in my day, those TV ratings, you know, would have been, you know, we would have been suicidal drawing in those sorts of numbers. So you've got to be very, very careful how you handle your fan base. And I... And we had a very loyal fan base. We had a big, big fan base and a very loyal fan base. Um, you know, we had big crowds. Even, even at places like Winton and Tasmania, we, we used to get very big crowds. Um, you know, Adelaide, we used to top out at over 300,000 for the event. Um, Townsville, you know, uh, we used to get enormous crowds. So, you know, handle your fan base with great care is my advice to any sport. You've got to really, you've got to really understand that they think they own it. They and and you've got to respect that. And you've got to um, you've got to give them um, you've got to give them the due respect back by making sure that you're not changing what they think that they've got a big stake in. Um, so again, a long way to answer your question, but you know, I would have never dropped it. Hmm. And it doesn't sound like you're all that happy with the way supercars is travelling. So keep going oh, on, on your on it's your not, th team. Well, me, how is it? How has it been travelling since you left? Oh, look, it's not for me to comment because I'm not close enough to it anymore. Um, you know, I mean, I can comment on big things like would have you dropped the name V8 supercar and things like that. But you know, I, I'm not into the minutiae of it. I'm not into the cut and thrust of it. It, it's, um, I, I'm really, I'm sad because, you know, I spent, I spent nearly 17 years of my life building it up to be something really big and important and, and, and global. Uh, you know, I, I had big, enormous vision that, you know, it could become 
certainly it could become the, um, you know, uh, the uh, a major category of what I call the Indian Asian and the Pacific Basin. You know, we had a number of races overseas and, you know, people may criticise them, but they were very financially successful for the business. You know, um, we, we got a footprint going in North America, which um, Archer then immediately shut down after I left. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, so I'm sad that it's, it, it hasn't kicked on and hasn't become, you know, bigger than, you know, because when you want to, when you, when you have something like that, when it's your baby, as it were, I guess, Mark, what your hope is that you take it to a point and then you leave and you watch it get bigger. And, you know, that, that's really the role of somebody like myself. You know, we get something, we take it for a period of time and then we hand it over in better shape than we got it. And then the next person runs with it and, and they build it again and they hand it over in better shape than the last guy. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a real disappointment to me that, that it hasn't kicked on and become much bigger than when I left it. You know, I mean, it should be twice the business. Whatever it is today, it should be twice what it was when, you know, I left 10 years ago. Well, maybe not twice, but heading towards twice. I don't think anybody out there, in all fairness, is saying it's now twice the business it was when I was there. Clearly not. Well, thank you, Tony Cochran. You've delivered, as usual controversial and candid as ever well, i don't think i was controversial at all uh, you don't think so <laughs> others will tony cochran thanks for your time pleasure man look after yourself you've just listened to another network car production 